I'm not necessarily the decision maker. I'm just the person asking the questions and then giving the, the picture in terms of how our actions are translated into numbers. Hello, TEDx organizers. I'm Jay Harati, and this is Solving for X, our podcast for the TEDx community. Today, I'm here with Katie Forster, Director of Finance for TEDx Seattle. Katie works with her team to build a budget from scratch, and she's here to give us a step-by-step overview of how her team is able to bring their TEDx event to life with a budget that they can count on and truly trust. Building a rock-solid budget is a critical building block for every TEDx organizer and every TEDx event. And I think that you're going to find Katie's approach to be both illuminating and practical. Are you ready? Let's dive right in. Katie, welcome to Solving for X. Jay, thank you for having me. It is a pleasure to have you here. I'm excited to talk to you and I'm excited for our topic to talk about budgets and money, which is such an important part of TEDx that we don't often talk about. But before we get started, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, just so we get a sense for where you're coming from. Well, I'm calling from Seattle. I'm part of the TEDx Seattle team. There's about 40 of us. Um, I was part of the 501c3 that had TEDx Seattle as a project. I was part of the fiscal sponsor. So that mm-hmm. was kind of my introduction into um, the TEDx world. Mm-hmm. And, uh, for, so- and for just for our uh, international listeners, 501c3 is the not-for-profit legal status of your organization, right? Yes, it's the tax designation. And so I saw like the behind the scenes and then I was invited to go to an event and I was like, I have to be a part of this. Mm. And then I asked to be part of, officially be a part of the team. And and that's where it kind of all started, kicked off. And was your first role on the team being a director of finance and treasure? I would say I grew into it. I started out really as the bookkeeper, got that under control, and then moved my way up into the budgeting, the next level. There wasn't a consistent person in the finance chair role. So because of the turnover, the TEDx Seattle team was just trying to you know make sure bills were paid. That was nice. the baseline. Yeah, yeah. 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 Well, nice, nice that you were able to step into role and then grow it and expand it. Before we get started, I just want to tell the TEDx organizers that are listening to this why I think talking about money in budgets is so important. Many of us, many of you I know are drawn to TEDx events because we are so passionate about ideas and there's so much joy and pleasure out of gathering members of our community, identifying, discovering, recording ideas and spreading them. But the reality is money is needed in order to put all that in place. And it's a really big and important part of producing a TEDx event. And for many TEDx organizers that in their hearts are conveners and curators, sometimes putting together budgets, raising the money, the anxiety of managing expenses. When when I talk to TEDx organizers, that's the thing I like the least. So we're here to talk about how to take the anxiety out of it, how to put some predictability into it, and most importantly, how to get through an event without surprises at the end of it, which I also sometimes hear about and we would love to try and avoid. So maybe you can start telling us a little bit about how you approach your first steps when you start thinking about your next event. What are the steps in your process? Well, I would say first, find somebody, if you can, that loves to work with numbers. Mm -hmm. That's tip number one, because I like to put numbers to actions. 
So all those actions that we bring to life at our events, I like to put numbers to them and see how they flow together. So that's kind of really where we start out when we're starting with a budget um, is we start with the idea that how do we want an event to go? So for this last year, it was obviously very different because we had to pivot to a virtual event versus our in-person event. And so we knew we wanted it professionally produced. That was the key. Mm-hmm. We knew that there was going to be cost to sit with that. So in order to put on that kind of an event, a professionally produced event, we needed to get income. So uh, it then kind of pivoted to, okay, what kind of income are we going to to focus on? Now, in the past, for in-person events, we focused on ticket sales. Um, and that wasn't an option this year because we couldn't have an audience. So we really focused heavily on partnerships this year, creating partnership experiences that got companies in the community that wanted to be highlighted um, with TEDx Seattle and how we could share their story in the TEDx, you know, TEDx Seattle way. Um, and so once we kind of identified partners and how much they would be willing to, you know, give, donate to the TEDx Seattle organization, then we could start to look into the expenses side and really start to categorize what we wanted. And, and I would say, I didn't make up categories that really involved going to vendors and having conversations. And I think a huge basic part of building a budget is putting numbers to the conversations that I'm having with the different team members or vendors. So with our partnerships team, I may go to our partnerships lead and say, hey, what kind of conversations are you having with partners? Um, Are you warm? Are you cold? And then right now, what would be your guess in terms of you know, the revenue that you're looking to bring in from this specific partner or all the partners. And we may have all the partners, you know, grouped together in one number, or we may be at a point where we can kind of say, no, we know this partner is going to give this amount. We know this partner is going to give a different amount and kind of break it out. And then that really gives me a good idea in terms of income, what kind of money we have to play with. So then I go over to the expenses side of the budget. We know we want to have a virtual produced event. So I'm calling on our vendor that's going to produce the event and I'm just asking questions, getting costs, getting quotes, and then I'm just putting it kind of in line. Um, One thing, I've never produced a virtual event before this year. So I didn't know what to ask and what not to ask. Mm. Um, and so how do you create a budget when you don't know what to ask? Um, so how do you do it? So how do I do it? So (laughs) because we we might be joined by TEDx organizers who are first time for this for TEDx organizers who've never done a virtual or a physical event. So how do they approach an area where they kind of don't know how to go about it? Exactly. So there's, I kind of went about it three ways. Um, I went to the the TEDx hub. There's loads of information there that can put you on the right path and give Mm -hmm. you ideas. Um, The second is just, you know, search engine in general. Um, I think I was looking for virtual budgets, event budgets. Hmm. Um, And then the third option and that I really leaned on was one of our core team members works for a event company. And of course, they were pivoting everything to virtual. 
And so I asked them if they would be willing to share a budget template. Because really what I wanted to do was see what was in their budgeted template and then be able to ask our vendor if the costs were incorporated in their quote or if they were additional. For instance, this is where it kind of comes to life a little bit. Lighting. Lighting was not included in the vendor's quote, but we needed to add it in. And I would have no idea, you know, I haven't been a part of a virtual event, so I wouldn't have known to ask those questions without that. And not everybody is going to have somebody who works for an event company. But what I would say is ask your core team members. They're a resource for you well past what, you know, you kind of realize. Interesting. So if I'm to recap, when you're developing a budget as the person leading the finance function, you want to make sure you don't have surprises and you want to make sure that you have thought of everything, even though you might not know everything. Exactly. I view my job as asking the question. So the person who owns that space can think of an answer if we want to include it or not include it. Mm. I'm not necessarily the decision maker. I'm just the person asking the questions and then giving the the picture in terms of how our actions are translated into numbers. Interesting. So everybody can make the most informed decisions and choices. Exactly. That makes sense. Tell me a little bit about this dance between what comes first, uh, income or expenses? Because uh, it's kind of like we live in a not an ideal world. You could start by saying, what kind of an event do we want to put together? Um what do we think it's going to cost? Okay, it's going to cost this, let's say $10,000 or $100,000. Um, and then you go and you say, okay, can we get that much in revenue? Or you could start with revenue and say, what do we think we can raise this year? Therefore, what kind of event? But I'm I'm kind of hearing a little bit that you, you're you doing a little bit this back and forth. You're kind of hearing what, it, what people want, talking to people about what they think they can get. What's the process like for you between those two big components? What I would say for the listeners out there is um, know your team. For instance, if you identify all your expenses and your partnerships team likes to have that number first to get that money for it, then do it that way. If you partnerships team want to you know, set their own goals and then you build out the expenses from that, then go that way. I build it based on how the team works versus we have to do it this way. Talk to us a little bit about budget categories and templates and things like that. Let's make it a more traditional physical event. How do you kind of approach the categories? Ours really goes like front of house, back of house, audience, engagement, and food. Mm. Um, <laughs> those are kind of the bigger categories. And then, um, sorry, the production side of it as well. But really, I walked into that it was already preset for me so i guess for anybody out there who's looking to build a budget i would say identify what are your big bucket areas and name them and then you can you know then your chart of accounts will go into that and uh you mentioned earlier that you got some good information out of the tedx hub would you be willing to share some of your kind of budget templates with uh, organizers will, will we be able to uh, share that with the group? 
Of course, um, I'm happy to share. I also approach it more holistic. We don't have the exact same budget year over year. They have a similar flow to them, but they're personalized to every year because we have different components going into it. So if you reach out to me on the hub, I'm more than happy to help you and kind of talk with you through it or hmm. send you a template. Thank you for, for sharing back. Um, let's dig in a little bit more into the, those categories. So how do you plan for uncertainties like... Uh, do you kind of create, you know, I, I know that often CFOs of companies or even kind of heads of business, everybody's kind of got a little buffer here and there, a little kind of protection uh, that they built into budgets just in case. Um, do you do anything like that? Definitely. Um, I have um, a line item at the bottom. I put a percentage to it. It depends how confident I am in each of the numbers, how much experience. Like if we've done this event year over year and I'm very clear on, um, you know, the costs and, and, and revenues and where things generally come from. Now, not including last year, we were very clear. We kind of did the same thing for nine years, 10 years straight. Um, so I had a very good idea in terms of the budget. We were building on it. We were expanding it. But overall, the baseline was very you know, straightforward. So I think I had maybe a 10% buffer. Um, and then uncategorized items, I would take out of that buffer and add them in. So my bottom lines would not change. Mm. I would be basically adding in line items. Um, yeah. This year, if you if you don't know, um, I, I I did thirty percent for this year um, on our expenses. So I had our total expenses, and then I added thirty percent on top of that because I just didn't know the cost. Like I said, right. I've I've never been a part of a virtual event right. organizing one. So what you don't know, you don't know. So Katie, that all sounds really well thought through and organized process step by step. But I know that budgets. Uh, often also have difficult choices that you need to make, right? Because uh, you are there working very closely with your team. You know your team. They have a vision. You understand their vision. You're part of the vision. But then you kind of, the reality hits, the revenues come, the vision and the expenses come, and tough choices need to be made. I'm wondering if you can talk to us about situations where you were facing a real tough budget decision where coal needed to be made and how you approached it? Yeah, so I use budgets to understand the different team members' risk factors. Everybody has different risk factors in terms of money and budget and how, how to use it. You know, as we're looking at the end result, big picture, some core team members want to have extra money. They want to come out and have like have money left over in the bank. Others just want to spend everything we get, they want to spend. And so others are okay to say, you know, depending on the year to say, well, we've pulled money, extra money in, in previous years. Therefore, if we spend a bit more this year, then, then that's okay. You know, there's money for us to do that for some years. So it's understanding those to then be able to cater, mm. you know, when you do come into those difficult decisions, which if it's difficult, normally the difficult decision is you don't have enough money to pay for what you want to do. Mm. Um, you can m make recommendations with those risk factors taken into consideration and present. Um, the way I go about it is presenting kind of different cases. For instance, um, 
in previous years, we were TEDx Seattle um, had ticket sales, and that was the majority of our income. And so we wouldn't necessarily sell out up until two weeks before. So that budget was constantly moving in terms of what we could add or take out based on ticket sales. Hmm. And so, um, and a big, a big ticket number, a big number in there is food. Um, and that is, you know, quality of food. Um, are you getting the best stuff? Are you getting the stuff that, you know, the baseline? What, um, yeah. I mean, it's all good food. It's just um, how much of it and how, yeah. how fancy. Yeah. And so one of the decisions was, was we weren't sold out at that point. And so it was, well, and we needed to order the food. So with the information that we have here, and we are not sold out at this point, what is our final food number count? Because they have to order it, um, you know, so it'll be there on time. And so walking through, you know, kind of in our eyes, what the different scenarios were um, to what that looked like. And a different scenario would be, you know, we're going to not get as fancy food, but more food just in case, you know, we do sell out, we'll have enough food for everybody, right. but it won't be the fanciest. Right. I don't necessarily, I see it as a difficult, I see it as, as based on the outcome that we want, how can we get there? I would think, you can correct me if I'm wrong, that as the finance director, your difficult task is to build a budget that is as close to break even as possible, that revenues or income comes very closely to expenses, possibly with a little a little bit left over that you can apply to, you know, some work you're doing during the year or to your next event. The worst outcome is to go into a deficit um, because all of this is nonprofit endeavor, everybody's volunteers, and there's no additional resources of money. I think it depends where you are in your TEDx journey, right? So if this is your first event, um, for instance, TEDx Youth at Seattle, we just did an event in 2019. It was their first event. It was very important that they didn't spend over what they brought in because they didn't have any money from previous years. Now, somebody that where you know TEDx Seattle has been around 10, 11 years and some years you're up, some years you're you're down. It just depends on where you are in your cycle. So, for instance, this year, if we would have gone a bit over and had more expenses and revenue, that's fine because we could still we had money in the bank to pay for some of those, mm. not mm. huge amounts, but some. Where you know, for instance, in the TEDx youth scenario, they didn't. So, I really like to kind of break it down, but into where you are and as a team are you happy with those decisions and the reason I say that is is um you know if for instance TEDx Seattle would have gone a bit over this year in terms of their expenses you know did we add a lot more value was that money really working towards adding value to the community and if it was then that's great that's the goal and there's money there to do that but if it's not, if it's just on kind of luxury items, you know, we don't want to do that. So it's really identifying and as a team making those decisions. And my job is to make sure that those decisions are um, available and visible to make, not mm. hindsight. Mm. 
this well, this makes um, all the sense in the world for an established event and organizing team like uh, TEDx Seattle. Obviously, you've got resources, you've got bank accounts, you've got a not-for-profit tax status. You there's accounting and there's potentially you know uh, resources to tap into and also you know consistency of support from the community and partners. But I want I want to ask you a question and put yourself in the head of a brand new organizer. What would you do to just make sure that you're not in the hole at the end of it. Yeah, that's why I think the budget is a living document for us. It's constantly updated um, with, you know, whether it's daily leading up to, to the event or not. And I think that's why that, that buffer is really, really important. Um, I it, In the head of a brand, if I was starting a brand new TEDx event, I would also talk with my vendors and give them the, you know, look, this is the case. This is be very clear what's coming up and see if, you know, at the end of the day, if there's kind of, dare I say, discounts or, you know, that they can help with to make sure that that those costs come to, you know, it's a net, you're, yeah. you're at net zero. Even now I have conversations with vendors to say, look, this is, you know, I, we can't pay it all up front. There's still unknowns that are going to happen and be able to basically within the budget have, we categorize it as high, medium, low in terms mm. of the budget. And if we get, you know, what we expect or hope to get in terms of revenue, we can go for the high expense items. If we're in that mid range, we go for the medium. And if we're just barely basically cut everything down to the bone, there's no extras, there's you just are at a baseline, then you go after those numbers. I'm very visual. So for me to be able to see, um, you know, how much is coming in, and then easily be able to put that to what level we are makes it so when those last minute decisions, which can add up very quickly come to play, I can easily say kind of yes or no. I mean, I don't, we're too big. I don't make those specific decisions. I put it out to the team to say, look, these are the the pros and cons, but as a small organizer, that's, um, you know, kind of just starting off, you're making a lot of those decisions and you would be able to, easily identify if that is in line with the direction you want to go in terms of finances. Hmm. Your partners and vendors could actually, if, if you're having the proper conversations with them to explain the dynamics of what you're trying to do and what you're starting to do, they could become allies in uh, in giving you more predictability. So I'm, I'm thinking when I hear you speak, I'm thinking of telling my production vendors and a few other you know, front of house, back of house vendors saying, look, our situation is we're just starting out. We don't have, you know, we don't have resources. I cannot afford overages. So the agreement that I have to sign with you has to be a fixed amount with no overages <laughs> uh, because I can't have surprises. Or another thing could be with the venue explaining to them that you're dependent on ticket sales and that you you need a more flexible rental agreement that's maybe dependent on how many tickets you've sold and then you'll figure it out over time and same with your food and beverage you might tell them i'm gonna i know you asked for like two weeks cancellation notice but we're just starting out and we need a little bit more flexibility and we can only give you a final number five days before things like that yes exactly so for a specific example is this year we had a production company that we used we had a set amount and we and we were very comfortable with the dollar amount however the payment terms i wasn't sure because of when money was coming in 
And so um, I worked with them to say, hey, look, in a best case scenario, we'll pay, a, you know, I don't remember, but it was maybe it was a month out. In a medium case scenario, we'll pay two weeks out. In a worst case, we'll pay within six weeks after the event. You know, every organization is going to have those different constraints, whether it's a it's a dollar amount, whether it's when they can actually pay, because when you're based on ticket sales, um, for instance, through Eventbrite, you, they pay out to everything, you know, the remainder two weeks after, I think, mm. the event or a week or two. So, you know, you may not even be able to pay most of your bills until after the event. Yeah. Um, where, you know, like food wants it up front, everybody wants a deposit up front. So it's just having those knowing when that money is going to come in, if and when that money is going to come in and having the conversation with the vendors. So if you're worried about being short, then it's having, you know, the, the short conversation. If you're worried about timing, then it's having the timing conversation. Um, if you're worried about both, then it's it's about having both and just being very upfront because that way, at the end of the day, you want to build a partnership with your vendors with, you know, our goal at TEDx Seattle is to make sure that everybody has a great experience. That's our mission. That's one. It's part of it. So it's that's volunteers, that's audience, that's vendors, that's everybody that's involved with it. So in order to do that, is having those conversations, um, so everybody is in the know, and then you can have. Um, you know, if necessary, those vendors or will walk away and they're not a good fit for you because maybe you're too high risk right now. I love that. I love that approach. Uh, it really is. I mean, we're all doing this in order to create positivity in the world and, and have good relationships and make good connections. So and I know TEDxers are really good at uh, bringing people on board. So just thinking the same way about um, all your vendor community is feels very fitting. Um, that all sounds really good. I want to ask you kind of a small technical question. Um, just what tools do you use? What software do you use that to keep your budget? Yeah, so we started out with uh, Google Sheets and then we moved into a software called iPayflow. In the U.S., being a 501c3, there's specific information we have to collect in order to pay bills. Mm -hmm. And so um, it streamlined that, but it also, what I found was um, we have this living budget and then we're paying the bills. And sometimes those don't match and iPayflow help makes them match. And so, you know, we've gone up to that next level, I guess. And that's really been beneficial to make sure I have all my I's dotted T's crossed. Um, so I would say those are, I would, Excel has been a huge tool and iPayflow has been a huge help. Okay. And I guess, I guess for those who don't have Excel, uh, similarly, Google Sheets would be a similar solution or whatever, exactly. whatever a spreadsheet Google, Google software Sheets. or, or Apple or whatever. But uh, exactly. A spreadsheet. Yeah. Correct. Uh, fantastic. Well, this was all really, really, really great information. Uh, you know, I get a sense. Uh, I, I feel like I know the answer for the question I'm going to ask because I, I hear you and I hear that you have taken the talents that you have around um kind of visual being able to visualize uh, hopes and dreams and and a vision and actions and translate them into numbers and I also hear that you're really passionate about the mission of what you're doing of creating great experiences for everyone and that gives you a lot of joy but I'm still going to ask you what's your favorite part when you do your work with your team you know I love the TEDx 
community. I love how ideas were spreading. And what that means to me is you can look at something um, and then you can have your perspective expanded and you're looking at that exact same thing, but you see it completely differently. Um, mm. And and in doing that, number one, you, you're going to be introduced and talk to different people, but also because you're expanding your perspective, your conversations are going to be, you're, they're going to change and they're going to be more, you know, zestful, um, insightful, more fun. So I, I love that about the, the TEDx community and how it encompasses that and grows it. Well, I would say amen to that, uh, expanding perspectives and doing that in communities so that we can all feel more connected to each other. I think that's why we're all here. I know that's uh, why many of our organizers are here. So thank you again for all the work that you do with your team, for coming here today to share your knowledge with other TEDx organizers. We truly, truly appreciate it. Thank you, Katie. Well, thank you, Jay, for having me. It's been an absolute pleasure and can't wait for the future and, and where TEDx is going and all the events coming out. Yep, all of us together. <laughs> We're looking forward. Thank you so Thanks, much. Jay. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Solving for X. Let's continue the conversation on the TEDx Hub where you'll find additional resources on this topic. And when you're there, you can also share your insights or ask questions. This episode was produced with love by Bianca de Jesus and researched by Elia Raza. It was edited by Mickey Kapper. If you haven't done so already, subscribe to the Solving for X channel wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. SoundCloud, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or Google Podcasts. And of course, on the TEDx Hub. Thank you for listening to Solving for X, and we'll see you next time.